going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Underdog and the Underdog Fantasy Family. And for those that are digging fantasy baseball, you're ready to do your fantasy baseball drafts, but you don't want the league-long commitment, you don't want to have to set your lineups all season, but you're looking to get that draft fix, head over to Underdog Fantasy right now, and if you use promo code TRIPLE, they'll give you a deposit match up to $100. So basically what they're doing is they're doubling your first deposit. It's a win-win for you, so if you deposit $100, They'll get a hundred dollars back. It's a pretty good deal. Fifty dollars and so on. So head over to Underdog. Use promo code Triple to get all that fun stuff going over at Underdog. Back at you guys tonight. We got Marty and Doc. No LC tonight, which is a rare sighting these days. Uh, but we're we're uh, thinking of our guy tonight, and uh, you know we'll try to carry the show without our lovable little cheesecake here. But Doc and Marty, fellas, what's been going on with you guys? Do you want to know, David? Really I mean, if you, I didn't even try to go the football route, but if, if we, we had our it's been a good work week, okay. <laughs> I got a nice haircut. That is a nice haircut. Small Thank victories. You. Yeah, the, the Chiefs, get to man. See you guys. Yeah, it's always good to see you guys. Chiefs back to back champs for the first time in 20 years. We have a back to back champion. I, I can't hate that at all. It, it was very nice to see. Marty, your Detroit Lions. Gave the Niners a good run for their money a few weeks ago, so there's hope there. And your Detroit I, I, Tigers are potentially have a, a nice season ahead of them too. It, the fact that we were able to talk about playoff football and Detroit Lions in the same breath is something that uh, I don't think I'll ever get sick of. Nor do I know how long it will last. Uh, Detroit Tigers. Everyone is, you know, people are coming in the spring training. The news is flowing. I'll say mm-hmm. I tweeted yesterday. The the guys at MLB trade rumors are earning their paycheck this week. Those guys, every couple seconds I update it, something else comes out. Uh, it's fun times. Unless you're a Kyle Bradish owner, and it's not so fun. It is tough. Uh, Kyle Bradish, the announcement today, the, the I believe it was a partially torn UCL. Is that what came out? Yeah. And yeah. he's expected to miss the start of the season going on the IL. I'm, I'm sure he's off your guys' draft boards as well at this point. Uh, off my draft boards, but on my betting board. So... I work for a Baltimore news media publishing company, and one of my colleagues was the first person to tweet it from the source. And so I told her, I was like, thank you so much. You don't know me, but you might have made me some money. And she said, yeah, sure. Let me know if there's anything I can do in the future. I said, contact me right away if you get this type of news. <laughs> Are you, wait, is this like um, inside trading? Can you do this? I don't think it's inside trading because she would just let me know before she tweets it out. Yeah, she's at spring training in Sarasota right now. I won't say her name, but isn't turn on those notifications from Underdog. These are clutch. (laughs) They are, Uh, Doc. Have you thought about growing your curls out? Because Forrest thinks your head is too thin. It's as thin as a Pringle. No, I'm just gonna put on some weight. Yeah, thicken your face up a little bit. Exactly. Uh, Well, we're excited to have you guys joining us tonight, whether it's on the podcast or live on YouTube. We've got our triple play outfield preview. So we finished kind of going across the infield. Now we're heading over to the outfield to talk about a lot of outfielders. It's a position that, to be honest with you guys, is not as deep as it was in recent years. And it's very stud heavy at the top, especially if you are looking for stolen bases. So we're excited to go through Tonight, the top 50, we're going to give you guys our favorites in each of the ranges here going inside the top 50 players we love and players we're fading. So as we do every week, we're going to start in the top 10 to kick things off here. So, Doc, as I pull up the draft board over the last two weeks on NFBC, 
I would like you to kick things off with who you are trying to take as much of as you can in drafts going inside the top 10. So this is my AL MVP. And you'd mentioned, David, when you draft this player, you just feel like your team is good. So that should give it away right now if people pay attention. <laughs> that's Jordan that's Alvarez. So Jordan Alvarez, when you look at him right now, the ninth-ranked outfielder, an ADP of 16. So look, he's not going to give you any steals. But the last two years, a 13.9% walk rate, the K rate below 20% at 18.9 and 18.5%, a 277 or above average in the last three seasons. And his expected batting average was higher the last three seasons than his actual batting average, meaning he's had some bad luck in that category. It's 31 homers and 114 games, which if you extrapolate that out over a full season would be 44, which means he could still miss time and perform and give you a return on that. He is the 96th percentile or above in expected batting average, expected slug, expected WOBA, average exit velocity, barrel percentage, hard hit percentage. He is one of the best, if not the best pure hitter in baseball, and he's only 26 years old, albeit a 26-year-old with bad knees. He could be in for a monster year. The most RBIs he's had in a season, I believe is 106. I'm going to double check that right now. But the books have him as the favorite. The, the 104. 104. So let's say he plays 145, 150. He could get 120 easily. So I like Jordan Alvarez. I think this is probably the cheapest his draft price has been. And he DHs a lot of games. So the fact he has outfield eligibility is great. I don't disagree with any of the points you said. The fact that he's the ninth outfielder off the board right now, uh, ADP, I believe, is kind of like, yeah, it's right now the back end of the first round, start of the second round. He's he's a great player to get at the end of the first, kind of if you have that 15th pick in a 12 te- or in a 15 team league. I love him there. Like you said, the outfield eligibility with how thin outfield gets outside the top, combined with the fact he's probably maybe outside Pete Alonzo, the most locked in guarantee 30 home run bat in the game. Uh, you know, him, Aaron Judge, Pete Alonzo are probably the trio in that group. But one of the things you didn't mention that I think also needs to be said is he's also a very good batting average asset as well. Each of the last three years, 277, 308, 293 batting average over the last three seasons. So you didn't say that, you just didn't listen. Oh, sorry. But yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, he, he is giving you an above average batting average along with that insane power. You know, the RBI production will be there for him. 97 RBIs each of the last two seasons besides the 104 he had in his career year. If you go by RBIs, like you mentioned, Doc, not really going to give you any steals, but he's a four-category contributor that also has an amazing eye at the play with his insane high walk rate and a strikeout rate that you would think for a slugger. Last two years, sub 20% uh, of just ridiculous, ridiculous numbers. Jordan Alvarez, if he's healthy, is among the best hitters in the game. I'm right there with you, Doc. Like I said, I think he's the AL MVP this year, and he is the third. He is the third best odds. So you know, you look at the the outfielders on there, or even if you wanted to do it by AL only players, you're getting him at a lower price here than what the books think he's capable of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there, Doc. Uh, on the subject of Jordan, um, we do have a question in the chat from Forrest. Jordan for Jackson Churio and Kerry Carpenter. Do you think that's a fair offer? Now, Marty, Kerry Carpenter is part of your Detroit Tigers. So what do you feel like? Is Kerry Carpenter going along with Jackson Churio? Do you think that's a fair value? No. 
You keep Jordan 10 times out of 10. All right, fair enough. We can keep it there. Um, and so uh, Jordan is definitely going to be our answer there. Unless you're building, I guess, for the, you know, you're building for three years down the line. But even it's Jordan. I mean, if you're. You could get more than that. If you're, yeah. If you're selling Jordan, dude, just go go for like a top prospect. Like you, not Kerry Carpenter, someone that stumbled into playing time for one of the worst teams in baseball. Who's he's he'll hit 255. He's going to get you 25 home runs. But I mean, Jordan can change your whole. You can change yeah. every, you can change your whole season. Yeah, if if you're trading Jordan for prospects or like young players, you need five or six of that, not just two. Yeah, I, I think Jordan. You can we all agree? I think you, you can get more for him if, if you are the one that is trading Jordan away. If you are trading Jackson Churio and Kerry Carpenter, I think we both all agree that that is definitely a, a good trade for you, and I and we would make that move as well. Uh, back to you now, Marty, for yeah. this range of the one through 10, who are you drafting the most of here? Um, well, let me just first off say, I will draft every, every single one of these guys. Mm-hmm. If, if they fall to me in the right place, I'm going to draft every one of them. Um, but Michael Harris, the second. Interesting. Okay. The set, the dose. Um, so at Glarf this weekend, I had the first overall pick. Of course I went Ronald Acuna and I followed that up with Michael Harris and Vladimir Guerrero. Mm-hmm. What I love about Michael Harris, XBA of over 300. He's going to hit just uh, somewhere around 18 to 22 home runs. He's going to get close to the 100 runs, I believe, this year. He's going to get you around 20 stolen bases. He does. He has such a great floor and everything I, that I want to accomplish in those first five, six, seven rounds. High batting average, stolen bases, and the ability to get the uh, the counting stance at, stats as well. And he doesn't kill you in home runs. He'll hit somewhere around league average. Um, so yeah, Michael Harris, like you can't go wrong in these first 10, but if you wait on it and Michael Harris is there, he's a great compliment to no matter what build you're making. So I have two questions for you, Marty. Number one, does the lineup context matter to you in terms of that? There were a lot of games last year. He hit at the bottom of the order, killing his counting stats potentially, where if he's hitting ninth at, you know, it's not going to get as many RBI opportunities, as many at bats, many chances to score runs. Is that worry you at all? If he, let's say if everything stays the same. This can be his output, right? 76 runs, 57 RBI is light. I believe that's going to go up somewhere around 65 to 70. Uh, in the lineup, yeah, that's going to be a, a difference of maybe 7,500 at-bats, you know, if he's all if he's buried in the ninth hole. But I, I think that will be rare. And even if so, everything else is going to be there. Uh, it, it doesn't worry me, no. The but other... I believe it does limit his. It, it this is the the conversation we often have is mm-hmm. the ground versus you know floor versus ceiling. I believe it. It does cap his ceiling. I don't think he'll you know. I don't think he can he can reach those um, the the highest levels. Um, but the floor is excellent. The other Thank question you. I would have for you is his ground ball rate. Each of his first two seasons has been over fifty percent. Granted, his first year it was closer to sixty percent. This past yeah. season, fifty one point six percent, which is an improvement. But the MLB average being forty four percent, still a lot higher than we'd like to see. He has does have uh, above average home run to fly ball rates. So yeah. uh, he's twenty two that... years old. It, he can make those adjustments, and his sprint speed's excellent. So. Um... You know, it's it's still going to allow him to get the the doubles or the singles and uh, infield singles and everything like that. Of course, I'd love to see the the launch angle. You know, mm-hmm. around somewhere around fourteen, fifteen, that'd be incredible. Uh, but with every even all of these faults, he's still producing, and all of the advanced stats back him up. And like I said, he's only twenty two years old. 
I'm really I, I'm pumped for him for this year. I'm excited to have him on a couple teams. This is the first time I've ever had him, so don't. I will here, say he had a better year than I thought, considering he hit 200 and he had a horrible first half. First. He had a horrible not even, not, not even a first half, just March through May because he hit 372 in June. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, the one thing I think that's also different is you're getting him at a little bit more of a discount this year. Yeah, he's uh, 30, 31. Yeah, so. so you're you're getting him kind of like you said the two three turn. Last year he was, yep. if I not remember, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he like pretty much almost like a, a borderline first back end of like kind of like the the turn pick last year. I'll put it this way: I have no idea where he was because where he was, I would not have drafted him, so I didn't even yeah. pay attention. Yeah, I think he. If, if I remember correctly, when we drafted at FPAS, he was like a third, third, fourth round pick, like where he is now. But I think by the time draft season got closer, he was more of a, a solid, like mid, early to mid second round pick, if I remember correctly. Um, so definitely more of a value. He does give you stolen bases. He is outfield eligible. You know, there were certain instances where he hit closer to the top end of the Braves lineup, depending on which handedness pitcher they were facing. So. There is a lot of upside there for him going as the 31st player off the board here. Uh, does any do you guys boost Mookie Betts up higher than the fourth outfielder? Uh, obviously, you're probably not bumping him over Ronald Acuna, but the fact he's also second base eligible, does that put him number two for any of you guys, or do you like him at number four? I would take him over Corbin Carroll. I think Corbin Carroll will give you higher upside in stolen bases, but his shoulder uh, concerns me a little bit. and lineup context Mookie Betts is in a better lineup yeah for Mookie I I mean if um I think he's one of those guys if I'm drafting multiple teams and I want to get the best second baseman by far it, he'll be a good you know third fourth pick I have him over Carroll because of the same reason Doc does because of the shoulder I don't hate a Kyle Tucker before him either though to be I honest. don't either you know, uh, but the, the, the position eligibility, I mean, second base, I mean, that's clean living if you get him at second base. So if you have the fourth pick, you got to take him. Yeah. I got to say, guys, it's very interesting when you get to kind of the back end of the top 10 here. We guys, we didn't talk about Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Aaron Judge. I mean, Tatis is a dislike. Uh, well, we can go right into the, your dislike then, Doc. So Fernando Tatis Jr. going as the eighth player off the board. We know what he looks like when he's right. But the question is, will he be right? Because he has not been that way for most of his career. The upside's tantalizing, Doc, but you're not biting for it at the eighth ADP here. I'm not going to get him at all. First of all, do you guys trust him? I not at that. Honestly, point. I, I kind of I do. I think he I think he's good there. I, I like his all of his um, advanced stats. Check out the power wasn't there in the first half because of his wrist. He had multiple wrist surgeries. Like there's, no I, way I'm not necessarily that. even talking about the skills. I'm talking about the person. This is a guy that has, uh, you know, been busted for performance enhancing drugs when he got back and he fractured his wrist. Remember, he was playing soccer in the outfield. He He's a goofball. He, he yeah. got in a motorcycle accident <laughs> a couple of years ago in the Dominican. Um, you know, this this is a guy. Sometimes it just doesn't click for people. And the, uh, the knucklehead and, and, tax. Yeah, the and, and he's <laughs> and, and he's gotten paid already. So the maturity bothers me a little bit. You don't lose someone like Juan Soto and replace him. Juan Soto has an over 400 OBP in all five years he's been in the big leagues. And when you think about that in the NFBC, they don't count OBP as a stat. But if 
Soto hits before Tatis. That's more men on base for RBI opportunities. Soto does. Soto's not with the Padres. But I'm, that's what I'm saying. Losing him. Oh, gotcha. And then if Soto hits behind Tatis and gets on base, that puts him in a better chance for scoring position, aka runs. So you look at the Padres five through nine because uh, Machado is going to hit four. Jake Cronenworth five, Luis Camposano six, Yerickson Profar seven, Matthew pa- uh, Batten eighth, Jose Azucar ninth. That is an awful five through nine. I don't like the protection behind him. Uh, the block percentage dropped from 11.4 to 8.3. So he got a little more happy swinging the bat. And then you break it down by half. First half, 71 games, a 288 batting average, 16 home runs, 96 runs plus RBIs and 14 steals. The second half, 70 games, 225, nine home runs, 73 runs plus RBIs and 15 steals. So he got you one more stolen base, but the power went down. The runs and RBIs went down. I don't like that's how that that's the most recent we saw him going into here. I don't think he did anything to help his draft price. And I think there's more reasons for us to fade him with a top 10 pick. Yeah, he had a really bad September. Yeah, I think at this point, would you guys take Juan Soto or Fernando Tatis? Soto. I would take Fernando Tatis. Give me those steals, please. But I have no problem with Soto. If they take that's the like that's what I'm saying. This top ten is insane. There's no you can't go wrong. I'll I'll go into my fades, and they're not even fades. It's just Jordan and Judge, the injury, the lack of stolen bases. I just would rather not. I'd rather go Tatis. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I have Soto and two gladiators. You know, so it's I don't have a dislike really. But if there was, it would be only because there you don't get one of the categories and. Injury, um, you know, I think they're uh, Jordan and both Judge. They have that that injury risk there. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely that makes it a concern for sure. Um, Soto in New York is going to be interesting because we know the power output should be there for him, but you sure, never know right. with the pressure of being a Yankee. Some well, players thrive and some don't. He doesn't the way he bats. He it's never he doesn't really pull the ball that way. So mm-hmm. he's going to kind of have to redefine his swing, which he's probably behind Jordan, or maybe he is the best hitter in baseball. So I think he he's going to have the ability to do that. Um, but I think it's kind of a question mark just because that's not how we usually – he doesn't usually hit the ball over there with, with tons of power. But uh, I guess he'll This learn. is a contract year for him too. That too. Yeah, he'll pick – he can't. I mean, he's not – And he's a Scott Boris client. Yeah. My last question for you guys before we go to the next range here. Will any of you draft Corbin Carroll? I hope so. I hope he falls to where his ADP is, Um, which is a top five pick. I'd go Julio and I'd go Bats or Tucker before him. So you wouldn't take him earlier than five? Like where's the earliest earliest that you would take Corbin Carroll? I would take him before Tetis. So you would take him number five? Yeah. I think <laughs> I, that's tough to say. Yeah, I would say, yeah, because just the stolen bases, that'll be nice. And who knows, you know, we're, just, we're not doctors. We don't know if a, sh- if a shoulder is going to be okay or not. It probably will be. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I could see can, if you get him in the sixth, like sixth pick, that's good. Look, I know that those 57 steals last year. 54. Oh, 54. But uh, I don't know. 
it, it's just too risky for me. I, I wouldn't take him unless he fell to like 10 to 12. And oh, even then, really I'm uh, not taking him. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm with Marty. I think I would take him number four. I think I would take him after Ronald Acuna, Julio, Mookie Betts. I would take him four. I need to see it for multiple years before I'm willing to invest that high a pick. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I think the 50 plus steals is, is why people are on him as much as they are. Obviously in the batting average, yeah, two eighty five batting average. I'll just draft a story Ruiz and have him tank my batting average for giving me steals. <laughs> All right, there you go. Let's then let's move to our 11 to 20 range here. Uh, I think that was an, or no, was, I'm sorry. 11 to 30 is the next range we'll talk about here. So we'll talk about a few guys going in this 20 group of players and Marty, why don't you kick us off with someone that you love in the 11 to 30 range? There's a there's a a man in a little little bit older than 30 named Michael Trout. You might have heard of him. That's what I'm going with. I got him in the seventh round of a Glarf draft. The injury risk is huge. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it, it is. But I think if you can get him in the seventh round, I think that's okay for me to take my first big swing at upside. He may have back problems. He may may not even play that much, just like the last three seasons. Or he stays somewhat healthy and hits you 40 home runs, hits around 260. And I was talking to Eric Halterman um, at the bar after the, the Glarf draft. And he he's uh, he, he writes for Roto-Wire, and he's on Sirius XM Radio and, and MLB Radio, a whole bunch of different other things. And he asks, he's like, should the gap between Mike Trout and Jordan Alvarez be that wide? looking specifically at his injuries, obviously you should take Jordan first, but should they be six rounds apart considering their profiles? And I thought that was a really interesting question. Um, if, I, if Trout's there, I have him in three places. It could really be. Are they be six four. rounds apart right now? Well, it's first round to the set. I got him in the seventh. So maybe he, uh, he might've fell in my draft compared. To yeah. Four. Yeah. Cause according to ADP, it should be like four rounds. Yeah. So, that's what, man, I got, look at that. Glarf draft got him in the seventh, baby. So uh, that's why I, I, and I have him like three or four different places. Even if it's the fourth or fifth round, I think it's a, it's, it's a good upside. If you're in an overall, he could really help you, you know, potentially win your league. You know, he, he's that kind of bat. We, I don't really have to go into how great he is. It's whether or not you're willing to take that injury risk that early in the draft. If he falls farther than his ADP, I would say do it. I think I agree with you on that. Obviously, people that are living under a rock, he does not steal bases anymore. He has three stolen bases combined over the last two seasons. Yeah, does anybody think that if, if he became, does anybody think if he became a full time DH like Jordan Alvarez, he would stay healthy the whole season? I think That's it would just stay a question. Yeah. I think when he got ham and bone last year because he got a, a pitch on the hand. So mm-hmm. you can't really do anything about that. He has back He's issues starting- with that. He's starting to be a watered-down version of John Carlos Stanton. I wouldn't go there because his batting average is way better. I meant, I meant with his bo- his body type and the type of injuries that he's getting. Well, I, I mean, I think Mike Trout. I wouldn't. I still wouldn't put him in that category because I feel like he's John Carlos Stanton's like a, a legit bodybuilder. Mike Trout is is muscular and is is thick, but I wouldn't say he. I would classify him the same exact way i think he, you could say he's he's injured like john carlos stan is in terms of the amount of games he's missing but well that's what i'm saying and and for the record mike trout i like him as well um you guys think mike trout gets traded at all 
I don't think with his contract. I don't think his contract is is as bad now with the new generation of people getting played or getting paid. This thought came to me. It reminds me of the Damian Lillard situation for the NBA. <laughs> an NBA or an MVP caliber type guy, albeit Damian Lillard isn't on a Hall of Fame trajectory just like Mike Trout is, but somebody that had spent their entire career with one team, perpetually the team underperformed each year, and at a certain point they said, "Okay, we're going to grant you a trade and we're going to we're going to, you know, let you try to contend for a title." Now that Otani didn't re-sign with the Angels and they depleted their farm system last year to trade for Lucas Giolito for a couple weeks, it feels like at a certain point they're going to trade him. And the, the Angels general manager said on December 5th, Mike Trout won't be traded this offseason. He didn't say anything about during the season. He said the offseason. Wouldn't surprise me closer to the All-Star break if they're out of contention, if maybe they move him. I still think the contract's going to be a problem. He's where do you think he's ranked in terms of salary this year among MLB players? Uh, I would say four to five over the next. Well, just, next just for this season, just for this season. Okay. This season, he's number seven. Uh, the head of him is Shohei Otani, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Jacob DeGrom, Aaron Judge, and Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon's making more money than him this year, which is kind of wild. That is um, wild. But Mike Trout, on his deal, so he's making $37 million this year. Uh, he is locked in until 2031. 30. 2031 is when he's 20? an unrestricted free agent. And he's making $35 mil a year uh, going forward. So, but teams might take that because they've never like Mike Trout has never been available. Mike Trout has never been available. If you can get someone like that caliber, like teams might trade for that. But you're getting yeah, a guy that missed a lot of but games. Built in the price. Anytime we're talking about price, we have to remember. Like if you've ever been to where the Angel Stadium, he is that team. Mm. Like. He, everyone has a trout jersey. Every little kid, every boy, girl, every, dads, moms, everyone has trout stuff. So he makes that money back tenfold in what he does for that actual organization. Now, on the field, money wise, I could see a team taking that on um, if he has one healthy year or maybe five months of health, you know, being healthy. I could see it. I could, or, I could or see like, it happen. Or, or the Angels say, okay, we'll pay half of his remaining salary if the team that we're trading him to takes the rest. I thought of that, but they just came out today, actually shout out to MLB trade rumors. I'm on that a lot. Um, the angels are looking to cut payroll for this year specifically like the Artie Moreno refute. He says, I am not going to sell and we're going to cut payroll. Mm -hmm. So I don't expect anybody else to come in there. And that's why I don't think he'd want to pay some of his, maybe he would, maybe that is cutting, you know, maybe that is like pay some of it to get rid of it. I could see why he would want to do that, but I don't know. It's a good Mike, question, man. Mike Trout has played in 100 games just once in the last four seasons. Uh, in the one season he played over 100 games in the last four years, he had 40 home runs. So obviously he can still produce. I think that's never a question. It's just his health at this point. But it will be interesting to see um, if... I kind of like this scenario where the, the Padre or the Yankees trade John Carlo, who is making around the same but has less years. So it's more of like a salary swap. I kind of yeah. like that. 
I feel like they would want to kick rocks. Yeah, I think they would want more than that. (laughs) I mean, John, John Carlo and some prospects, but I don't hate that. The shed salary. I mean, how many more years are on Stanton's deal? I'll look right now. If it's like two, maybe or one, why not? Yeah, but I think there's more than that. Yeah, probably. Let me me pull that up. While he's pulling that up, Doc, that was also your your like was Mike Trout as well. So you guys are both on the same page on that. Mm-hmm. I also oh. like Randy or Rosarina, you know, just as you're looking that up, Doc. I think that's it's a safe pick as far as you know, 25 homers, around 20 steals. The bat you, he won't he won't kill you in batting average, probably somewhere around 250, 260, hitting atop the lineup. So close 180 runs or 180 combined uh RBI and runs. I, I think he's at this point, he's like he's not a sexy pick. You know, a couple of years ago after his playoff run, you know, it was like, ooh, Randy, Randy or Rosarina. Uh, now I think he's where he should be. I think that's a really good pick right there. And I, and if I can read your mind, David, I would rather have him than Adolis Garcia. No doubt about it. It's not well, I was looking at Adolis. I wanted to double check. I'm pretty sure Randy Orozarena is the last player in this range that you can get a guaranteed 20 steals from once you get outside Michael Harris. Because Luis Robert, uh, actually, I'm sorry, Luis Robert did get 20 steals if I'm uh, yeah, he got 20 steals exactly. last year. So when you get down to Randy or Rosarena, you are you hitting a cliff how many in terms of How many plate appearances did, did it take Robert or Robert to get the um that many to get the 20 stolen bases? Like how often was he playing? Uh, 546 plate appearances okay, last so year. So he still missed about 100 at bat. Okay, all right, I could see that again then. I mean, but he's also going again before Randy or Rosarena. So oh, once yeah. you get to, to his ADP, you know, all these outfielders you look at. Nolan Jones isn't stealing 20 bases. Cody Bellinger isn't stealing 20 bases. Nolan Jones, uh, well, he did steal 20. He, he did he did steal 20 last year, surprisingly. 367 at best. Um, so maybe, okay, so maybe I'm, I'm not giving him enough credit there. Bellinger stole 20. So actually, I was going to make that. I don't think, think Bellinger's getting 20. I was going to make the point that Jazz Chisholm can steal 20 bases, but he's not healthy usually long enough to steal 20 every year. I, I was going to make the point. That to your was, point, I think he's the safest guy to get you yeah. 20 or more at that point. And that's why I like him. It's like, it's just floor. Nothing really to worry about. You know, nothing to worry about. He's going to play a lot. You know, he's a good. safe 2020 player. Yeah. Like, yeah. you so, know what you're getting with him. So I, I looked up John Carlos Stan's contract. The next two years, he's making $64 million. Then 2026, <laughs> it drops down to $29 million. Then 2027 drops down to $25 million. And then in 2028, there's a club option, which no team would pick up in their so right mind. So that's four years left on so, it? So that's four years as opposed to Trout seven. seven. And it's less money over four. I mean, if you did John Carlos Stanton, Jason Dominguez, and maybe like another prospect. I, feel I, like they're, uh, I don't know if they're giving those guys up, though. It would, Man, be that, would be a, that would be the old school Yankee way, though. You, like, the 90s Yankees would do it. Can you imagine sure. an outfield, though, of Judge, Soto, and Trout? That might be the best outfield in the last, like, 30 they're gonna years. Need three, they're going to need three DH spots. Yeah, right. <laughs> At some point. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, does anybody think Nolan Jones' ADP, at four, the 14th outfielder pick 52, is too high? He's a very popular breakout candidate this year. Well, like if you're going for an overall, I think it's fine. Yeah. 20 homers, 62 RBIs, 20 stolen bases, 297 batting average playing in Colorado where they don't have a lot of depth of, of actually good major league talent. Yeah, I, 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 I don't here, hate David. it. I don't, I don't hate it. I feel like 
he's definitely a, a roto league guy rather than points. Um, I, I'm looking at his strikeout rate last year, 29.7. Yeah, definitely strikes out a lot, but he also walks at a 12 and a half percent clip as well. I mean, his, his BABIP was 401 last year though. And his BABIP in AAA was 432. So you could potentially look at him. He, in a cup of coffee with Cleveland, 28 games in 2022, hit 244. So maybe you say his batting average would more be like 260, 270. But also, again, in Colorado, you know, you're in an inflate batting average there. So you can, maybe he's like a 270 batting average player, which is still above average. I think it's interesting to see a barrel, because his barrel percentage is 15, you know, 15.7. So f- Nearly 16% of the time he's barreling the ball. That would put him, you know, obviously like a clear number one if he was able to do that over a full season, I think. But it's weird to see that and then look at his minor league numbers and he never hit eight more than 18 home runs um, in a full year. I know he's in cores, so maybe 20, 20, you know, 22. David, I, just, you, I mean, he said his what, barrel percentage in Cleveland was also 14.5%. So like he, he he's done it. Since he's he been in the big leagues, all, man. David, could be worth it. You you'll know this because you have fan graphs pulled up. But he had a two ninety seven batting average of the last year. But you know what the expected batting average was? Um, well, I actually two, don't have fan graphs pulled up. Two two forty seven. It's a big discrepancy. That's yeah. I always XBA with players and cores is weird though because they do take part factor into it, and I don't know how you can balance that. You know the extremes of that, and then when he he leaves that, I don't know if XBA does a good job with Coors players because of that reason, or maybe they do. I just like logically, I don't know how they're able to adjust because mm-hmm. it is such you're playing on a different planet, essentially. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> especially, no, I think, if you, especially if you've been there for a game, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think Nolan Jones. I do like him. I think he could be one of those guys that I, I will draft some of. I'm not going to be like, I have to get Nolan Jones, but I'm, I'm sure he's one of those guys you don't want to have FOMO of. of like, I, I don't want to have any teams where I don't draft him, if that makes sense. Do you think um, we're drafting him at a ceiling? Um, but, uh, I think he could provide a little bit more power. I think stolen bases are probably at his ceiling, but... Boris does bring up a good dollars. point, which I, I think is a really good thing to bring up here. There's so many good pitchers that also go in that range. I think that's that's a key point here. Is right now we're looking at the outfielder ADP, but we not are not looking at the pitchers that they're going around. Yeah. So like Aaron Nola, Logan Webb. Mm-hmm. Like this could be a point. Maybe you went hitter, hitter, hitter with your first three picks, and this is where you're like, all right, I'm going pitcher. Like uh, Nolan Jones just falls in the range of players that I'm just not looking at hitting here, which I think is is very fair to say, especially with everybody kind of pushing pitching down. This is I feel like kind of where uh, this could be where you might attack your pitching. Forrest, you're exactly right. Especially if you're in a 15 team league, I like going two bats and then getting hopefully Logan Webb's there or a Nola, a Peralta. Um, even hey, I'm a Logan Gilbert guy, so I, I would put Logan Gilbert near that tier as well. So they're mm-hmm. all those guys that you can get in there. Yeah. So Forrest says he'll have no shares. I think I will have a couple, but I'm not going out of my way to get him with the ADP with those pitchers there. Um, on the back end of kind of this ADP is we haven't really, uh, I didn't see your, uh, guys dislikes in the chat. Cause I'm being a bad host right I, now. I dislike you, jazz for very similar reasons that I just, I like how you put jazzy Jeff Chisholm. I appreciate yeah, D- that. Yeah. DJ jazzy Jeff Chisholm. I, I mean, I the injury, I'm sure. 
I mean, it's the injuries. So, but games missed by season last year, 65. Year before that, 102. Year before that, 38. The year before that, 39. Uh, last year, 30.8K percentage, the highest of his career. I went back and looked. So the highest average he's had, or the highest average he's had in a year, when you look at shortened, whatever, uh, full seasons, injured, COVID, 254. But, you know, sometimes people get hot and cold. So I mm. felt like 280 was a good batting average barometer. How many months has he had a 280 batting average or above, you know, where he can get really streaky? And he's had two months in his career where he's played more than five games and had a batting average above 280. So to me, when your batting average is capped and you don't walk a lot like he does and you strike out a lot, that means to me that caps the the counting stats upside. I think he's a very tantalizing player because, you know, he could have 2020 upside, but mm. at the same time there are so many holes in his game and I think he's a great marketable player. I think being on the cover of the show might have pushed up his ADP, but if you looked at a blind resume, um I don't think it's worth it at outfield 17, you know, he's a high-end outfielder too in a 15 team league and I just I'm not willing to pay for that. Fifth round, ADP 67. If you were just for for fun's sake, if he played in 130 games, what would his stats be? 130 games, uh, 242, 24 home runs, 31 steals. I think it would be better than that. What do you think would be better? uh, His stolen bases. I would take that, though. His stolen bases. In half a season last year, 352 at-bats, he, he had... 97 games, and he had 22 steals. I think that's fair to to say he would have 9 and 33 more games. I feel like he would have closer to 40. He had he played 124 games in 2021 and stole 23, stole 23 bags. Now, granted, that's before the, the base path rules changed, but mm-hmm. I don't know. 318 Babbitt last year when it was 294 the year before. I think 30-ish if he played around there. But, you know, once again, I want to, if I'm investing this high of a pick, I need to see it happen before. I'll let him play a full season and say, okay, I'll be in next year or a future year. But the Mm -hmm. draft price is still too high. And you know I've been beating the drum for a while that I'm anti-jazz as a fantasy pick. Great, great player to watch. Marty, what about you? David, I don't have an answer for you. There's not really anybody out of these guys who I'd say I'm not drafting that guy. Every single person, there's, there's, there's. I can see a reason and a team build for it. So can you scroll up for me just a little bit? Maybe a Dolis because of you know he's getting older, yeah. and I just don't know how much longer he's going to have that speed as the Rangers continue to get better. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think I've ever drafted him, so maybe not a, a Dolis Garcia. But every one of those guys, I could see a reason. I'm waiting for a Cody where he signs. I don't have him anywhere, and I don't know what to do with a guy who can't hit the ball hard. And you know, so probably yeah, probably not Cody or or Dolis. What about Josh Lowe here? Josh Lowe at the 18th outfielder was one of the most frustrating players to have in all fantasy last year, but he still finished with 20 homers and 32 stolen bases. Let me take a look at. Yeah, I mean, he just strikes out a lot, but it's weird to see a guy strike out that much and then still have a strong XBA. 
Um, and they he barrels him a lot towards down the stretch. Like he was not, there were weeks where he would sit like three or four games. It was insane. Was it split wise? Is that yes. because it yes. Yeah. what he can? Uh, yeah. So first lefties, he only had 63 at bats when he had 403 yep. versus right. They, they don't play him so, versus lefties. All right. So the race platoon, everybody. So yeah, I could see that would be a good reason not to have him because maybe you get f- 450 at bats. When mm-hmm. everybody else in that range is going to can get you five fifty, maybe six hundred. I mean, so I mean, not Christian Yelich. He won't stay healthy that long. Although I do like Christian. Um, yeah, I'll Schwarber. take Schwarber at the eighty first pick for forty bombs. Forty bombs, and you know, just got to build the rest of your team around his batting average. But I mean, it's still. Um, I think he's underrated for what he does in all those other four categories because the batting average is so bad. Mm-hmm. Does, does anybody think um, there's a bounce back season coming for Jordan Walker and that this 110 ADP could be a discount? He did. He did look a lot different after he came back up from the minors. I was going to say, look at this is his first year in the, in the big league, 16 homers, seven stolen bases, batting 276. I mean, what do you want from the guy? I think people were drafting you him, know? With a, you know, a top 50 or 60 pick expecting yeah. he was going to win rookie of the year. Those so are people. He, yeah. I, I I drafted him early. I knew he was gonna be this yeah. good. No, you didn't. Don't don't kick don't kick sand on me. That was me. I I liked him too. Uh, whoops. <laughs> um. But yeah, no. I mean, Jordan Walker could bounce back. I think that's a nice value there. Is the twenty first outfielder off the board, or I'm sorry, the twenty fifth outfielder off the board, Spencer Steer. I think you. I don't know if he's going to have a, a year like he just had this past year. I think that was his career year based on the amount of bodies they have in Cincinnati right now. I know he's multi-position eligible and he, they can put him a d- bunch of different places, but I just think they're going to mix and match some bats there. That 23 homers and 15 steals is his ceiling outcome. And that I, I probably am not drafting him based on that this year. I think just playing time is going to be a factor. Um, Teoscar Hernandez, the 28th outfielder off the board here playing with the Dodgers could we see a JD uh, Martinez part two I think he's fine but I'm just worried about the plate appearances because there's a guy named Sho- Shohei Otani who needs to play DH every single day Teoscar mm-hmm. is garbage in the outfield and he does he doesn't really hold up that well so when I when I looked yesterday he was the 31th ranked outfielder that was going to be uh my 31 to 50 I like Oh, so he's shooting up a little bit, Doc, since you last looked. I mean, look, 25-plus home runs in three straight seasons. He hits the ball hard. I know the K rate is high. Last year is 31.1%, highest of his career, and the walk rate was the lowest at 5.6%. Mm-hmm. But even if he can get a little bit closer to his career averages of 7% walk rate and 29.7K percentage, those are his career averages. So we're looking at a little bit better than last year. Right now, he's projected to hit seventh on roster resource. I could see him moving up and you know to the sixth spot and replacing James Outman. You know, Max Muncy gets hit, gets hurt. Maybe he moves up to the fifth. Like, let's just look at the lineup context. When he was on the Blue Jays and he had his best year in 2021, he had 116 RBIs, and it was a similar profile. I mean, at 31, I'm not willing to say he's lost all of his power. Seven stolen bases. Mm-hmm. Well, I. I think there's upside with him, but I can understand if you don't want to draft him. Okay, fair enough. The last player we'll talk about here, because I want to get to the the last range here, is Evan Carter, the World Series 
of Texas Rangers who was hitting third in their lineup. One of the best batter's eyes um, at the plate. Uh, my neighbor said he calls him full count Carter because he works the count every single time. Five homers, 12 RBIs, 12 walks, and 62 plate appearances, a 306 hours with a 413 OBP. Are we getting a value here with Evan Carter as the 30th ranked player off the board with the helium that we saw towards the end of the World Series last year? I think we are. I, I think this is a good value for him. I think this this could be one of those players that, and he's the 124th player off the board roughly, so I'm not saying it's like an insane value, but he's one of those guys that I could see being like your your third or fourth outfielder, and you're like, I feel good about that. Man, how many – we're 75 career plate appearances. But he's been great in all of them, right? Even though he's striking out 32% of the time, which is pretty scary. But when he does hit the ball, he hits the shit out of it. Um, wow, Marty cussed on the pod. Don't you like Seven Carter? A rookie will uh, – a second-year player will get that out of me. Uh, I'd rather have him than Jackson Churio. I can say that. I don't think that's too crazy. I, I'm looking at the outfielders here, and I would rather take him. I, I would rather take him over Santander, Cedric Mullins, TJ Friedel, Ian Happ. Yeah. 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 He's I'm looking fast, at the guys man. after him. He's got he's in the 96th percentile in speed. So he crushes the ball. He runs very fast. Where do we think he's going to be hitting in that lineup, though? You, where was he in the playoffs, you said, Doc? Uh, he was hitting third for them in the World Series. A third in the World. Okay. Uh, I don't. I have to look on my phone because my computer blocks roster resource now for some reason. Um, but I can check where they have him hitting. Um, I mean, is he going to play hit against lefties? That's my. That's what I'm afraid of. I think he. I could see the early on in the season them not platooning him. Because it's not like they have a, a ton of extra bench bats here. I'm looking yeah, right no. now. They have him projected to hit fourth on roster resource. First righties. Now, versus lefties. Last year, he had 10 at-bats, and he and uh, his average was 0%. So, I don't know if they're going to – I think they're going to strong side platoon him, which is fine. I think he can still get 20-20 with that. Does Let's say Corey Seager isn't uh, ready for opening day with um, the the surgery that he had. Does that change his draft price? And you could say on on you could use a catch twenty two where he's now locked into an everyday role and he's not platooning, or there is going to be less of a supporting cast around him. Hmm. I'm I would say I'm never too worried about the the supporting cast. I think because maybe we're talking ten RBIs and ten runs by the end of it. Because Jose Ramirez still puts up you know good numbers. The only thing that lacks are those RBIs and runs. I'm interested to see who would file in at shortstop. And then does that change? Does that allow him, like you said, just to kind of have to play? I think he's going to play every single day versus righties. And I just don't know against lefties. That's my only hang up on the guy. Well, I'm trying to look really quick right now what he did against lefties in the minor leagues. Uh, I can look that up, I think. Yeah, I can. Okay, here we go. Uh, Versus. Great podcast here. Cool. Splits versus lefties. Um, so versus left-handed pitching. Have fun editing this art. <laughs> He's not gonna. Yeah, edit you can take part. that. Uh, you can take that part out. He's not gonna edit this part. 
He might. Where are we at? I can look at it for for the majors, but I don't know if I can look at it for the minors. That's the only thing that sucks. Someone's going to be like, someone's going to pull it up and have it. Um, yeah, I, I believe you in driving it. in your car furious. Who knows how Evan Carter did in <laughs> minors against lefties. I'm sorry for you. Please, please let us know. We can't find it. Come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we need you. We need it. Let's, uh, let's talk about the last range of players here. There's a lot. Actually, we'll read this list off because I know we won't touch about as many players here. So the 31 through 50 range, Jackson Churio, Anthony Santander, Cedric Mullins, TJ Friedel, Ian Happ, Jorge Soler, Wyatt Langford, Jaron Duran, Chaz McCormick, Riley Green, Tommy Edmond, Masataka Yoshida, That's Brandon Nimmo, James Outman, Chris Morrell, Lars Newbar, Stephen Kwan, Dalton Varsho, Starling Marte, and Kerry Carpenter. That is the 31 through 50 range. I'm going to give each of you one or two names that you would like to bring up from that range that you especially like here. Doc, I'll start with you first. Yeah, I didn't even realize Masataka Yoshida was that low. I mean, look, I know he's going to be DH. Uh, I mean, he's outfield eligible, but I, he's their full-time DH from everything I've read this year. I mean, that's fine. Last year, 289 at, you know, sometimes we see people struggle in their first year. I don't think he struggled at all. 289 average, 15 home runs, 143 runs plus RBIs, eight stolen bases, played 140 games. You could argue that the Red Sox lineup got better. Um, I'm looking into his splits now. I mean, I don't think he killed you at any point during the season. I mean, the first half, 316, 10 home runs, 47. Uh, runs. I mean, I just think that's not a sexy name, but I think he's going to contribute in every category. Um, I'm looking right now. 14% strikeout rate is amazing. Um, did not walk at all. 5.9% walk rate. Um, that is not going to get the job done. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pulling this up also because I'm I'm pretty sure his ground ball rate was also very high. 50, 56% ground ball rate. So that's also a problem. <laughs> uh, and if, I've, if I'm not mistaken, I also remember his um, his BABIP also being a little bit high, 316. So there's potentially a lot of room. If his launch angle isn't very good, 4.2 degrees with a, a uh, 316 BABIP. Obviously, I know he's fast, so I know that that impacts that and, and raises it a little bit. But if he's hitting the ball on the ground this much and he's not barreling the ball at all, What's his realistic ceiling here? A barrel percentage of 6.3%. I think an accumulator. I mean, look, we're looking right now in the 31 to 50 range. He's guaranteed playing time. He's in a arguably better lineup than last year. Um, you know, he's given you a little bit in each category, not killing you in batting average. I mean, even if you want to say the home runs decrease, would you say 10 to 12 is realistic? Yeah, but... And I, then, and then he sh- he should have more than eight stolen bases, given his sprint speed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you might see some regression in some categories, but you might see improvements in others. I think he's a really good safe piece, like a, like a building block piece. Like you've already gotten, you know, you've gotten a couple. You got Kyle Schwarber, you know, a couple other home run guys. You need somebody to boost up your average, get you ten stolen bases with some runs. I think I think he's fine. I'm not worried about his ground ball rate because the way he hits is different. Like Ichiro Suzuki hit the ball into the ground. He mm-hmm. batted three thirty. So there's just a different way that 
he bats. So it's not – I'm not worried about launch angles and power. He's 30 years old. He's not going to really change anything. This is where – this. I think – what is the ceiling? What he did last year. And I think it could be a little bit – I think his batting average could be lower. And he's going around – I mean, I would rather have him than Tommy Edmond. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd rather have him than uh, – I don't want Brandon Nemo. I don't want James Altman. I don't want Morrell. What about I, him or Riley Green? I'll take Riley Green, but there's uh, a – 13. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about a round difference. I yeah, think Riley Riley Green has a lot more upside, I think. But mm-hmm. the, the injury is what, what kind of scares me because he's constantly hurt. But Yoshida's 30 years old, so I don't know. He, I, would I, take mean, him, yeah. I would take him over Jaron Duran. I was thinking that too. I would take Duran because of the stolen bases. And that's actually my like for that guy. So we can just hop right into that. Go ahead. And it's, and it's because of that reason where he's at, those stolen bases, with a 24 last year and 332 at bats. So let's say he gets 500, 600 plate appearances. I'm not going to double that, but you know, 30, 35, I think that's fine. Expecting a batting average looks pretty good. I think the home runs are going to top out around 15. I think that would be amazing if he hit you 15 home runs for the year. Um, but basically, I guess he kind of is Yoshida, but with a lot more stolen bases. Well, here's my thing about Jaron Durant. He missed the last month or so of the season yeah. uh, with turf toe and had to undergo surgery for that. So, I mean, does that impact? Like that? That's something where you could say your toe planting off of that and running could directly impact your stolen bases more than like running or more than hitting because it's not your back, it's not biceps, your shoulder. I I worry about a toe injury for banking on someone that's going to have stolen bases more than any other body part. That's just me personally. No, that's that's interesting. I didn't know he had that, but I didn't think about the long term. I'm looking I'm a Mr. Google doctor here. So mm-hmm. let's say if, uh, from surgery 2 to 6 months, the you know, so that's that lead us right to it. Ah, it, it doesn't change anything, but that that's definitely interesting. It doesn't change anything for me, but it might now that I'm thinking about it. I don't know. Nah, we're good. I'd still be okay. With it. Okay. Are you worried at all about himself, how he nasty. kind of fell off the face of the earth towards the end of last year? I think it. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't love that, but I don't know. He's still. Uh, that was his first full season. So, okay. I guess his first full half season. I think I'd rather have Chaz McCormick or Wyatt Lankford. I think I like both of those guys going around him better. Chaz McCormick getting hopefully get full time role in the outfield last or next year. Nineteen stolen bases, had twenty two home runs, with a two seventy three batting average. I'm okay taking Chaz McCormick, and as you guys know, and I've said on this pod, he thinks I'm funny. <laughs> yeah, and Wyatt oh, Lankford. I thought it was Bregman. Uh, I made this sign for Bregman, uh, but oh. Chaz McCormick laughed, and uh, yeah. So, I mean, look, he's bumping up my draft board for that reason. <laughs> Jorge Soler signed with the Giants since our last pod. That's a, that's he, a three-year deal. Three-year deal. He's, he's a 30-homer bat. Even in San Francisco, he's probably hitting, I would think, around 30 homers. Granted, he stays healthy. Um, so if you're missing power, this is definitely one of those later power targets you can try to get. Right now, he is going around 158 ADP. So again, if, if you're needing power, that's that's someone I would go get in that range there. Uh, I would get him over Ian Happ because I think he's going to give you more of a, a definite category than Happ will at this point. Um, 
Any other guys that you want to bring up in this range here, guys, before we get out of here? I want to say real quick on Chaz McCormick, if we're worried about lineup, you know, he might be at the back of the lineup most of the time. We're um, mm-hmm. Jaren be at the top of the Red Sox. So, you know, do with that as you will. I love me some Ian Happ. Ian Happ is my like, he's like my missionary position. It's never the best, but it's like, it's always pretty good. What's you know gotten I mean? into you today, Marty? Hey, he's I'm art for the night. See it. Yeah, I had to fill in for the dirty art. Um, but yeah, <laughs> outside of Happ's horrible podcast, I really like him. I think he's going to hit you somewhere with 20, 25 homers, bat around 260. He's going to bat third or fourth in the lineup every day. He is probably one of the most unsexy players. Uh, Sarah Sanchez, um, who's a big Cubs fan, and she loves, obviously, uh, fantasy baseball and everything like that. Very smart player. She's even out on him. So, I don't know. I I think it's just like one of those – this one of those picks that's like – it's easy for me. Like, I know he's going to play. The ceiling's not that high, but the floor is fine. He's a good building block piece, but he has no upside at all. So, if you're searching for upside, don't do it. I'm with you on that for Ian Happ. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, I think, is a nice value. It's the 43rd player off the board, or 43rd outfielder off the board as well. Um, I think we all... I liked James Outman before the Tioscar signing. Now I'm, I'm not sure. He does have a direct path every day at bats like we thought he might get before. And um, Stephen Kwan, the 47th outfielder off the board, is a great batting average asset. That's the and, your and most... some steals. Uh, give me some steals, yeah. Lars Newport, Lars Newbar, or um, Yoshida. I'll take. Can't... I'll take Lars Newbar because I heard Eno talk about that. He looks like he really made some tangible changes from his struggles at the beginning of the year, and uh, I, I I do buy into that. His season, his end of the year numbers, a you know two eighty one or two sixty one batting average. Yeah, fourteen homers, forty six RBIs, eleven steals. I think there's a higher ceiling there for him. I yeah, think there's – is there a clear path for him to play every day? Yes. St. Louis is not exactly rolling with with uh, hitting prospects right now. And they just traded Tyler O'Neill, so that's another player that's gone. That is true. I did forget about that. We will talk about next week. Um, but that I think that's that's about it. That's, I think, Cole Alwar covered tonight. Dalton, Dalton Varsho is pretty much left for dead now that he's not a catcher eligible. Dude, I have him in almost every league. I don't know how I managed to do that. And I don't like it. I think he's going to bat 220, and he's going to be at the back of that lineup. And he, he has terrible contact skills, but he might get you 15 stolen bases and 15 home runs. So I drafted him. So in six months, I might be pissed about it, but we'll see. All right, well, that's, I think, going to wrap up our outfielder. Google, remind me in six months to text yeah. Marty about Dalton Varsho. Yeah, talk right. crap about Dalton, Dalton Varsho. I don't even want, he's one of those players you just draft, and the second you draft him, you're like, why did I do that? Well, that's going to wrap up our outfield part one preview. If you guys are enjoying the content and you're watching on YouTube, please make sure you guys like and subscribe to the Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel and leave a comment just for the algorithm, uh, like our guy Forrest, who we really appreciate being in the chat tonight, hanging out with us on a, a random Thursday night in the off season. Uh, and as he says, swing for the fences. Cause uh, that's always a good motto to live by. Uh, and if you guys are again, are listening to the podcast, which we also do appreciate as well, please make sure if you haven't rated and reviewed the show, that also helps us get seen by more people. We're always trying to expand our audience. So it's much appreciated. Uh, but for Marty, for doc, I'm D Mendy. We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Talk to you guys next week.